Four weeks from now, minus a few hours, Father Mould will be standing out in front of the church. It will be evening, and it will be right before the Easter vigil begins. Hopefully, there won't be wind like we've had the last couple days, because we'll have the Easter fire started out there. And before the Easter candle, or the Paschal candle is lit, Father will trace on the candle the sign of the cross in the year 2018. As he traces the first two numbers of the year, he will say, all time belongs to him, meaning Christ, and all the ages. All time belongs to Christ and all the ages. In cosmology and physics, time is seen as an actual moment of, in which it comes into being. Time is part of creation. Time is part of this material world. And so time as a creature belongs to God as well. The reason I bring this up is because in our first reading, where we heard the Decalogue, the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments, one of those commandments deals with time. All time belongs to Christ. And that commandment that deals with the Sabbath brings that to the fore. That time is God's. It's given to us not as an absolute, but as something we are stewards of. You know, the word Sabbath, which our Jewish brothers and sisters use for their day of rest, is related to the word seven in Hebrew. It's the seventh day, the day of creation, on which God rested from his work. It's important for us on our Sabbath day, the Sunday, to reflect on this rest that God calls us into. What I'm going to be using uh, is John Paul II's uh, apostolic letter, Dies Domini. This is its 20th year anniversary this year. On his, his letter on, or apostolic um, letter on, the day of the Lord. And I want to share with you just a few insights from this and a few things for us to reflect on. First of all, he says, until quite recently, it was easier in traditionally Christian countries to keep Sunday holy because it was an almost universal practice and because even in the organization of civil society, Sunday rest was considered a fixed part of the work schedule. He goes on to say, today this is not so much the case. It's being chipped away at or watered down. This is 20 years ago. Now, I remember about 20 years ago, or a little bit more, uh, that many of the grocery stores here in this area would close on Sunday. Many of the other uh, conveniences were closed in order that people could take that rest. Not so much so today. John Paul II goes on and says, the custom of the weekend has become more widespread. A weekly period of respite 
spent perhaps far from home and often involving participation in cultural, political, or sporting activities, which are usually held on free days. It goes on to say that this is not necessarily a bad thing, but that the problem of the the weekend and the concept of the weekend is that it can engulf and consume the idea of Sunday. In other words, Sunday becomes subservient to the weekend. How often have we maybe perhaps had the, the thought, oh, I need to get mass out of the way. I need to do this. I need to, this is what I want to do on my weekend. Oh, and we got to work in mass. The problem with that way of thinking is that Mass, even though it may not be an afterthought, is simply a duty rather than a way of life. Whereas Mass and our Sunday liturgy is meant to be for us as Christians at entering into God's rest. So often our lives are filled with activities and busyness that what's meant to give us rejuvenation just becomes more restlessness. Unfortunately, when Sunday loses its fundamental meaning and becomes merely part of a weekend, it can happen that people stay locked within a horizon so limited that they no longer see the heavens. That was John Paul II's warning. This sense of the centrality of the Eucharist even the sense of duty to give thanks to the Lord and to pray to Him with others in the community of the church seems to be diminishing. That was true 20 years ago. It's much more true today. Christian believers, he says, should come together in order to commemorate the suffering, resurrection, and glory of the Lord Jesus by hearing God's Word and sharing the Eucharist and to give thanks to God who has given them new birth to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Even during Lent, each Sunday is a, mi a miniature Easter Sunday. Even though we wear purple, even though we have readings and have prayers that are specific to the Lenten season, the whole of Christ's life, and in particular, the mystery of his death and resurrection are represented to us. He'll go on to say in this letter that Sunday is the primordial feast or is the feast of feasts for the Christian. You may remember that phrase of John Paul II, do not be afraid of, to open wide the doors to Christ. It was a phrase that was used in particular um, at the beginning of his ministry, he used it. In fact, he may have used it in like his first homily or when he came out on the balcony after he had been elected pope, but it was something that reoccurred, in particular during the year 2000. In this letter, he adapts it and says, do not be afraid to give your time to Christ. Let us open our time to Christ that he may cast light upon it and give it direction." He is the one who knows the secret of time and the secret of eternity, and he gives us this day as an ever new gift of his love. Remember that scripture tells us that it was through Christ that all things were made. 
the beginning of St. John's Gospel reminds us of that, that the whole world was created through the Word of God. Through Him all things were made, and without Him was made nothing that was made. In the second chapter of Genesis, it tells us how God rests from His work. Now this is not just mere divine laziness or divine not doing anything, but this is an act of rest. A rest that contemplates and looks upon all that he has done, all that God has done, and affirms it as good. And it says in Scripture that God does this in order to give us, in order to give man an example of how in our own work, And our work is something that is very good because it is a participation in the creation that God does. But on the Sabbath day, on Sunday, we are called to look back as God does and to give thanks for what we have been able to do, to contemplate, to recall, to reflect, to spend time enjoying what we have done, and not just merely producing or going on to the next thing. The Mass, because it is a time of stepping away from our ordinary and everyday duties, is an opportunity to linger with the Lord, to linger on the blessings that He has given us. So a very healthy practice is to before we come to Mass, recall all the blessings God has given us, the challenges as well, and to bring them and offer them up to the Lord. Here's the offering, not only of my money, Lord, but here's the offering of my week, of my time, of what you've given me. I give it back to you. So I encourage you today at the offering, when the ushers come around with the collection, to also put on the altar spiritually your time. Make it a little bit of a reflection. Have I really been generous with God with my time? There is both a close link between the order of creation and the order of salvation, John Paul II says. The Sabbath day, Saturday, becomes for the Christians very early on the Sunday, because it is the day of the new creation. In all of Jesus' life, he was preparing for the new kingdom, the new world. G.K. Uh, Chesterton brings this out in a marvelous passage where he talks about how during the night, meaning the night of Christ's burial in the tomb, little did the world know that it had died. And that on the Easter morning, Christ, God, walked in the garden again with the new created man. Let us allow the Sunday liturgy and the whole day of Sunday to become truly something that is rejuvenating. Let us allow it to become a walking with God in the garden again, where we can feel free to contemplate to spend time with God and not feel that we have to produce. In this way, God will produce in us 
his graces, his blessings throughout the rest of the week.